everybody, welcome to Tech Thought, a show about tech advice, a short how-to, and why you should care. This is season two, episode seven, I think. You're right, it's also episode 16 overall. Um, but hello, I'm Jade, I'm the smart one. And I'm Art, I'm the cute one. You are so cute. Disclaimer, we are both smart and cute. So, after several weeks of not exactly knowing what we were going to do for our next little arc on this podcast, we finally managed to cobble some stuff together that should take us through the end of the year, uh, since we plan on having uh, a holiday break, but we will have more information about that on our social media later. Speaking of our social media, uh, if you want to check us out, uh, we are at Tech Thoughts Podcast on Instagram. We do a live show there every Friday at 8pm ET, uh, and we would love to see you guys. Also, uh, you can check out our website, which is... Jade? Uh, techthoughts.gay. That's dot gay, not dot by, or any of the other lovely options. It's just dot gay. <laughs> we should have gotten to, we should have also gotten techthoughts.trans just to, <laughs> just to, you know, really cover our bases. There's an LGBT, like, top-level domain we could have got, but I thought that was just not as good sounding. No, yeah, that's fair. Techthoughts.gay just really rolls off the tongue. But anyway, what are we going to be talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about DRM, also known as Digital Rights Management, as opposed to other cool acronyms that I cannot think of right now other than... Nope. Those are all lewd, never mind. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Digital Rights Management as opposed to other forms of managing your rights, and I was really, I was really <laughs> wondering where you were going with, with that one. No, 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 it's fine. But yeah, uh, DRM, we decided that it would be our first topic of this little mini arc, mostly because it came up a lot in our previous episode when we were talking about right to repair and right to repair adjacent things. So we decided we'd do a more in-depth look at it. So I talked about it for more than 10 seconds, but yes. Yeah. So what is digital rights management? Well, it is just a way for publishers or developers, whoever is making things, to control who can access the things that they make. It also... Uh, usually has something built in to stop you from copying things or just find another way to limit you in some form. It's everywhere. DRM is the reason that Netflix and Amazon Prime Video works. DRM is also in like video games. If you've ever bought old-fashioned games on a disc, I'm saying this very strangely, like 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 hot dog on a stick, right? Games on a disc. <laughs> Meat on the bone. <laughs> Meat on the bone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can see how badly I destroyed my microphone waveform there. (laughs) Oh, so so can I. Um, But also you find it in physical items, such as, say, coffee makers, printers, and tractors. But we'll, we'll get to those later. Yeah, this was a this episode was an interesting rabbit hole. Um, so for full disclosure, I don't really do research for this podcast, uh, because my job is to sit here and look cute. Um, so Jade will chuck research at me and I will read through the things she's she wants to talk about and chuck things in on the off chance that I know something. Uh, and when I was reading through the notes for this episode, I was very, very confused. Yeah, naturally. Also, am I not cute? Oh no, you're also cute. Your job is to sit here and be cute and smart. My job is to sit here and be cute and useless. No, our disclaimer says otherwise. Let's 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 play it back there, DJ. <laughs> Disclaimer, we are both smart and cute. I'm going to play it back there, DJ. No, of course, I know. I know, that's the word. But yes, DRM kind of works through encryption, and we have gone over encryption. Make sure to check out our episode on that from the season one. But basically, authors and publishers encrypt the content, therefore making it impossible for people to use without the decryption keys. And then the DRM provides those decryption keys in a way that the user can't actually access. And there you go, you have access to your content now. License keys are a form of DRM, right? We, we we that was that was that was the reason it sort of came up last episode because we were talking about like Adobe. 
Yes. No, not last episode, a couple of episodes ago. Yes, uh, whenever it was, that is correct, yes. Anytime you are, you're talking about activation of something, you're talking about DRM. Understood. So DRM, when you look at it from the outside view, it makes a lot of sense, right? You know, you make something, you don't want people stealing it, you don't want uh, people just copying it around and trading it for free, and you're getting no income. But it's not that simple. It causes problems, and it can be used maliciously. Mm-hmm. As an example, back in 2014, uh, Adobe's DRM for their Digital Editions 4 software, also known as their, their EPUB application, the thing that lets you read ebooks, there were some privacy concerns. The application was gathering data on the ebooks that were, you were opened and reading. You know, basic things like what pages were read, what order, and those things may be a little uncomfortable, but you may also think, hey, it's, it's just like trying to figure out what you're paying wait, wait, attention wait. to. Yes, go on. Wait, they're no, no, no. I, I, I love that. Like the co- co- collecting data on what pages were read in what order. I'm sorry. Are there some heathens running around who are reading books out of order? Like what? Hey, hey, look. Sometimes you want to know who read, who skips to the end, and who reads it from the beginning. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Go. P- on. People who peek at the end are wrong. Um. Anyway, uh, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's not exactly like the end of the world, right? Except it's also gathering information on the computer it was running on for other ebooks that were on the system, including ones that you did not explicitly add to their application. So if you just had a random EPUB file in the back alley of your of your hard drive that you weren't gonna look at for a while, the way Adobe software worked it was that it scanned your computer, grabbed all the ebooks you had, and put them in their software, which means Adobe just kind of kept gathering all the information of every single book you happen to have on your computer and sending it to their servers. All of this in plain text, no encryption. And again, we've gone over what encryption does. When something is in plain text, it means that anyone in between you and Adobe servers can tell exactly what that stuff says. So perhaps someone will know you like Martha Stewart's cookbook, but they'll also know that you want to kill the president. Who knows, you know? I mean, like, on one hand, I'm like, this isn't the worst thing in the world. I feel like people aren't that sensitive and, like, secretive about their reading habits. But, like, it's, again, it's it's sort of like the principle of the thing, where it's like, how does a major company get away with doing something like this and not realizing that it's a terrible idea? Yeah, it's it's scummy. Um, at least, at least tell people, or at least encrypt it, so random people in the middle of the chain don't know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And leaving ebooks behind and, you know, sketch, sketchily gathering data on your computer, DRM can also just cause performance concerns on your computer. In the case of video games, back in 2018, the popular DRM software, Denuvo, was shown to have significant performance penalties. To a number that's greater than like 7%, I believe. Enough that if you had a slow computer, it would make the games you're playing feel incredibly sluggish. And just short of like eating up CPU cycles, it also tanked um, what's known as the minimum frame time, meaning Mm -hmm. how quickly your computer can tell your monitor there's a new image to show. Denuvo managed to slow that down significantly. That kind of every game just felt like walking in jello. Yikes. Yes. Yes. And it's like, like, this is for people who did purchase these games. Like, 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 imagine purchasing a game and then getting mediocre slash awful performance on it because it comes shipped with this DRM thing that is supposed to verify that, like, it, it's, because that's the thing that, that sort of, like, like always, it always is a little weird to me, the way that DRM just sort of ends up punishing people who did actually legally purchase the thing. Yeah, it's sadly common. Yeah. And, and Denuvo wasn't the only piece of gaming DRM that sucked. Securom uh, was a thing back in yes. the 2000s, which you will talk about now. 
No, yeah, no, I was going to say, so speaking of things that I sometimes ask Jay to throw into episodes, because they're some of the few things that I do know about, Sekirab is something that I do know about. Um, and it's mostly because most of the Sekirab controversy has to do with my favorite, and I say that with the most sarcasm, video game company, Electronic Arts. Makers of FIFA 2017, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, and, 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 uh, and robbers and murderers of the Sims series. Anyway, moving on. I have a lot of opinions. We don't have to get to those on this show. But no, yeah, like, so it was, I think, Mass Effect, Bioshock, uh... Spore. Spore. Spore was the big one. Uh, and, uh, The Sims 2. Um, a lot of their games, basically. A lot of their major, major IPs, uh, shipped with Sekiram. And... There was this giant controversy, especially around uh, Sekiram and Spore, um, and also around what basically what EA basically replaced Sekiram with, which was just like always online models for all of their games. But like whatever. Um, but there was a giant controversy around Sekiram and Spore from people who just didn't want to deal with copy protection that was that strict. Because the way that Spore worked is basically that EA would require the player to authenticate the game online when installing it, and that was actually a backtrack from their original plan system, which would have required you to authenticate the copy of the game every 10 days. Also, when you were given a product key for the game, that product key would be limited to use on three computers. And this, they also backtracked on that and raised the limit to five computers in response to customer complaints. So it's basically just them giving as little as possible to try to keep people happy. And despite that, Spore was one of the top 10 most pirated games of 2008 with 1.7 million downloads over BitTorrent just because people straight up didn't want to put up with it. And the thing is, you'd think that companies would look at that kind of backlash and actually backtrack in a way that's meaningful, but they didn't. When EA shipped The Sims 2 uh, Ultimate Collection uh, for free, uh, they gave the game for free to uh, to all PC users because they were like, we're, we're, not, we're not supporting this anymore. We might as well give it to people. It still had Sekiram in it. And this was in 2014. And that wasn't fixed until three years later when they realized that they'd left Sekiram in it and enough people had complained about it. Or not realized, it basically just enough people had complained about it. It came out on, on a couple of like forum sites that, that they had left it in. And then they patched it and removed it. But it's just, it's it's just again, it's like that, that kind of like scummy behavior where it's like you, you really just show that like you care more about your bottom line than your consumers. And also uh, the lack of foresight to know that using this particular form of VRM, using Sekirom, is nearly irreversible. There was a straight-up class-action lawsuit where one of the main problems with it were that people could not remove Sekirom despite, like, removing the game. It just sat on their computer till they tried reformatting. Oh, yeah, no, there were other there were other issues with Sekirom that are kind of fun, which is uh, the fact that it straight-up conflicted with other software, um, which would cause, which could cause errors on your computer. Um, and also, which is that Securom is so strict of a copy protection software that sometimes it doesn't detect the game disc as existing. It just doesn't. Like, you can have, you can actually have your game disc and you can open the game and it will insist that you don't have the game disc in the drive and that you have to, and that you have to, and that you have to put the game disc in the drive. And it's absolutely insane. There are mods for The Sims 3 to get around that. There is literally a mod that was built to get around Sekirom thinking that you didn't have your game disc in your PC when you did. And I know all of this sounds super, super, super old and like stuff that doesn't matter anymore because I'm talking about like 
CDs and who, who that, who the hell even has a computer with like an optical drive anymore. But like, I don't know. It's just the fact that this was ever a thing and the fact that the workaround for it, the, the sort of like the, the evolution of it was not, oh, we should stop doing this thing because it pisses off our consumers and is probably like, like we should stop doing this thing because it pisses off our consumers and probably leads to more people trying to pirate content in the long run was no, it's fine. We'll just replace this with like always online models and stuff like that. But moving away from games, because you think, oh, I'm not a gamer. This doesn't affect me. Well, DRM also exists in physical items. And this is the part of the episode that, in my opinion, gets very wild. So, Jade? Right. So, you think you're avoiding DRM? Do you own an HP inkjet printer? You shouldn't, considering the number of times we've told you guys. At this point, at this point, my genuine advice for anyone who owns an HP inkjet is to chuck it out the window. Like, <laughs> genuinely, chuck, chuck it out the window. That's fair. So, if you use HP's Instant Ink program, and for those who don't know what that is, it's literally, you run out of ink, your printer is connected to the internet, so it tells HP, hey, give me more ink, and they send you some ink. It's a subscription-type model. If you cancel your Instant Ink subscription they lock your ink cartridges from working your your perfectly good brand new ink hp ink cartridge filled with ink is now a dud it's a toy it is a paperweight filled with ink yeah no that's the thing like it's absolutely ridiculous because it still has ink in it yeah like there is no reason it should not work like it is it is an ink cartridge it has ink it should print the thing logically speaking nope well we have gone over this and planned out the lessons as well HP ink cartridges lie to you? Yes, yes. Like we're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm using the most extreme example first. Instant ink is the biggest problem with it. But the way that they check that your cartridge is a quote HP genuine ink cartridge when you plug it in, your printer's real happy you did that, is because there is a microchip on the cartridge that the printer reads to figure out what's how much ink is in it and such and where it's from. Clearly, people have been able to get around that and have made third-party ink cartridges already, but it's still, it's still like, a ridiculous usage of it. Like, it's... Absolutely. Yeah. But all right, let's say you've, uh, you've avoided inkjets, right? You have a laser printer. Good work. No problems, right? Do you have a coffee maker? <laughs> Do you have a Keurig coffee maker? Those lovely little, ah, slam a pot in there, close the lid, you get coffee when you're going to clean up or whatever, right? Those... Keurig pods? I don't know what to call them. I keep wanting to call them Tide Pods. No, I think they're literally called Keurig Pods. Please don't call them Tide Pods. We do not endorse the eating of Tide Pods on this podcast. When you put your Tide Pods in the Keurig... (laughs) No! (laughs) When you put your pod into your Keurig coffee maker... I'm going to say this word worse and worse. Keurig. I I hate the name. Yeah, go on. They are printed with a special kind of ink that determines whether or not it's a genuine Keurig pod. What happens if it's not? It doesn't make the coffee. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it just kind of it just kind of goes whatever. But don't worry, third-party manufacturers have already figured out how to break this form of DRM because it's just ink, and it's not that hard to copy ink. Yeah, but again, yeah, and, and again, it's like okay, cool. It's like th- like th- like thank God there are people out there finding out finding workarounds for this, and and not just like laying down prostate in front of our like uh company overlords but like just the fact that they tried to get away with that the fact that they tried to just be like yeah we'll just print these with special ink and nobody will ever notice they're they're essentially making a thing that like if if keurig were to go out of business their coffee makers would be giant paperweights yeah total junk which is it's it's very rude 
on the bright side, you can dispense hot water for free. It doesn't care about that part. Yeah, your coffee maker is now a hot water dispenser. Honestly, it's really good for making ramen. Tune into our new, our new, our new after show, uh, after show live segment, uh, cooking, cooking with thoughts. <laughs> oh god. Which is to say, on like the whole paperweight front, like it's just another case of not owning your stuff, like not owning the things that you own, even physical objects, like they're not really yours. And I think this this sort of harkens back to. Uh, when we were talking about smart home devices and we were talking about Sonos and the fact that Sonos could at any point just like make their stuff like a giant paperweight if they suddenly felt like pro- like not providing software updates for it anymore. It's like, you're like, it's a coffee maker. Like that is one of the least techie things possible. Why the hell does it have DRM? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what's even worse, honestly, and, and I don't have notes for it, but I know this is true. My freaking Philips Hue bulbs technically use DRM. Wait, seriously? Yeah, our smart bulbs need to identify with the bridge to being, like, real Philips Hue smart bulbs to work. It's really annoying. Yikes. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, I'm gonna trust that that's not gonna die soon and I will find an alternative eventually. Fair enough. Yeah, but moving away from this. Um, yes, not owning your own big physical items is a problem. Coffee maker? Pretty big. But you know what's bigger than a coffee maker? A tractor. Farmers. You poor people. I'm so sorry that you have to deal with DRM, too. It just took me a second to understand that you meant you poor people, like in, like, you poor, like, I'm sympathetic towards you kind of way, and not you poor people, like, you were <laughs> I don't think I, I can... really just thought you were... <laughs> There was something about the inflection in your voice that made it sound like you were calling all farmers poor. I don't think I can call farmers poor when their tractors are multi-thousand dollar items. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to be fair, most farmers don't own their tractors, but we don't have to get into that, go. No, no, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. Um, So yes, John Deere, a popular uh, manufacturer of farming equipment such as tractors and other garbage that farmers farm with. I don't know, man. Plows? There you go. Did you have to call it garbage? You could have said tools. We respect, we respect, we respect farmers. Like we respect we farmers. We respect farmers here on the Tech Thoughts podcast. I know that we are uh, not farmers. You must think. I know that based on our bios, you may think that we are New York elite. Um, God, no. Laughing at the farmers uh, in flyover country from our ivory towers. But like, nah, I'm $60,000 in debt to the new school. Uh, I have no moral high ground here. But yes, tractors. <laughs> right. John Deere, the company I was just talking about, has been preventing farmers from fixing their tractors. Kind of by using a California farmers lobbying group, um, also known as the Equipment Dealers Association. I did not think California farmers lobbying group is a sentence I was going to hear today. Go on. No problem. They managed to get this lobbying group to uh, basically sign away the rights of farmers to access or modify their own equipment. If you own a john deere tractor and it breaks you are expected to wait until you can get an authorized tech and authorized parts and that's frustrating especially when farmers are working on such tight deadlines to get their crops out before they're worthless it's also just like how many how many how many authorized tractor repair techs really exist like versus number of farmers who might need like a tractor repair like i can't imagine those two things are in proportion whatsoever yeah and, like, they're, they're a little predatory. So the John Deere license agreement, it, it forbids that they can do nearly all repair or modification to farming equipment, prevents farmers from suing for, quote, crop loss, lost profits, 
loss of goodwill, loss of use equipment, or any other problems arising from the performance or non-performance of any aspect of the software on those tractors. So it's basically just like you can't fix your shit and you can't sue us if we don't send out a dude to fix your shit for you, despite the fact that we're the ones insisting that you need one of our dudes to fix your shit. Yeah. And like... Yikes. Yes. So so farmers have been getting around this by using uh, hacked Ukrainian John Deere tractor software. And I know that is a lovely sentence for you to hear. That sounds like an onion headline. I need you to understand that. Yeah. Farmers are acting more like old school iPhone jailbreakers than anyone I've seen in the past 10 years. Respect for farmers. Absolutely. But also... Fuck Jesus John Deere. Christ, they should not, yeah, fuck John Deere. They should, like, 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 this should not be a thing. And again, we've done an episode of Right to Repair right before this one. You should understand that this is simply unacceptable. Especially because, like, it's one thing to, like, not be able to repair, like, smaller electronics. And I'm not saying that, like, 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 like it's not so terrible. Like, it's one thing to not be able to repair smaller electronics. It's one thing if, like, your $250 become TV becomes useless and, and you can't fix it and you just have to throw it out and buy another $250 TV. What is the price of a tractor? One moment. I got you. This is another moment where I really wish we were a little bit more like the WAN show. Uh, check out LTTstore.com. Uh, <laughs> because the face that Jade just made was priceless. And I am so sad that you guys won't get to see it. How much does a tractor cost? So we're going to pick specifically their subcompact one series tractor. A John Deere one series. A John Deere one series starts... Oh, you can save $250 on the purchase of two or more, but it's $12,752 for their smallest subcompact utility tractor. If you wanted one of a reasonable size, no longer in the compact category, you're looking at something closer to about a flat 17K, 22 if you want to sit comfortably. Yeah. So, imagine... If a 17K piece of equipment that you need to make your livelihood broke and you had no way of fixing it. I'm imagining the amount of waste that, like, it's just generated from broken tractors. Because... <laughs> No, because it's just like, it's not just like the farmer, like the poor farmer having to take the expense on of like whatever the heck the repair cost is, or if it can't be repaired, like an entirely new tractor. I'm also imagining the fact that like, if you can't repair it, like what do they do? Do they just throw out the whole ass tractor? I I suppose, again, you, you we have mentioned it, you, you can hack the software. I'm, I'm saying hack really loosely here. You're not hacking anything. You're loading on software that's provided, but like you can get around it by just replacing the junk they put in it themselves. And it's frustrating because the software is what runs the tractor now. Like, it, it's what controls all the mechanics. It's what makes it work. If that's the thing you can't alter because it's glitched up or frozen up or some nonsense has happened, what is that? It's ridiculous. There could be nothing physically wrong with it and the software just went buggy and you suddenly are at a tractor. That's so awful. Yeah. And I guess this is the part where I ask, uh, since that is so awful... What, if anything, can be done? Well, honestly, when it comes to the last thing, again, support right to repair, but generally for DRM, stop supporting companies that use shady DRM. John Deere is not the only tractor company, and EA is not the only company making games. There are other options. I think this is very much a case of just, like, voting with your wallet. Yeah. Of course, you may be thinking, there's another option. Piracy. But not really an option. We'll talk about that in the next episode. <laughs>
Well, that's all the time we have for you guys today. Sorry the how-to was so short, but like I said, really vote with your wallet. Yeah. But like, like, like we said, really, it just comes down to voting with your wallet. I mean, also, the average person isn't going to have to spend 17k on a tractor, but uh, have some empathy for the people who might, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the poor people who have to buy Keurig coffee makers and HP inkjet printers. Yeah, I, I really want to, I have one. I really want to throw it out the window now at this point, but we'll, we'll, we'll consider that later. I'll help, I'll help you do it later. <laughs> Sweet. But yeah, uh, and as Jay just alluded to, our next episode is going to be piracy. Yes, we're going to talk about piracy on this podcast. Hopefully that doesn't get us just completely blacklisted across the board. DMCA takedown notice as we speak. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Or we won't. Um, Tune in next week. Hopefully. If we're still up. Um, hopefully. Uh, in the meantime, you can catch us at Tech Thoughts Podcast on Instagram. That's where we do our live show on Fridays. They can't catch us there. So we will be there at 8 p.m. ET. Uh-huh. Or you can check out our website, which hopefully they also can't catch us at, which is techthoughts.gay. Uh, so see you next, see you guys next week. Hopefully. Bye. Bye.